I was on the mountain, I made a lot of promises to God. And I said, if you get me off of this mountain alive, I am going to do A, B, C, and D. And, uh, you know, it was like, I am going to get divorced. I am going to live life authentically. I am going to write a book and tell others what I have been through and what I'm going to accomplish. And I'm going to accomplish these things. And I'm going to inspire people. to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey there, Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast listeners. Today's episode is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Wild Zora. This company is owned by husband and wife duo Josh and Zora Tabin, and they are based up in Loveland. And I actually know Josh and Zora personally, and I had the opportunity to tour their facility a few weeks ago. This is such a cool company, and I happened to get hooked on their products well before I actually met the owners. Um, their ingredients are all natural and amazing. They source everything locally, organically, sustainably grown, and then they package and produce it all there in their facility in Loveland, and they both live in Fort Collins. They've got these great meat and veggie bars, which contain grass-fed organic beef or uh, other meat products, as well as a full serving of fresh vegetables, organic vegetables. Um, The newest product that they just launched, which I'm really fired up about, is their basically just add hot water oatmeal bags. They're perfect for camping, but frankly, they're also just perfect for taking with you to the office and when you're on the go because the bags are meant to hold the hot water. So all you have to do is add some boiling water to the container and you can eat this amazing oatmeal right out of there. It's got dehydrated nuts and berries and coconut and all kinds of good fats and nutrients. It's really amazing food that, quite frankly, fills the gap for many of us when we're trying to eat healthy, good foods when we're on the go. So Wild Zora's website is wildzora.com, and they are offering our listeners a 20% discount on your order using the code HOTMAN, H-O-T-T-M-A-N, at checkout. You can also just click their logo at the bottom of our website, and it will take you straight to a page, but make sure to use that code at checkout. I just want to give one pitch to the... um, specific breakfast cereal that I'm really obsessed with right now. It's called the Palisade Pineapple Mango. They call it a paleo meal to go, and it does contain 10 grams of protein. By the way, for those of you who are anti-gluten, it does not contain any gluten, no grain, no milk, and no added sugar. So when you see these products, you will be a true believer and a true fan just like I am. They also have a butte cocoa banana oatmeal cereal as well as a cliffside coconut berry cereal it's really incredible stuff and having seen their facility and seen exactly how this stuff is made it's fantastic so check out wildzora at wildzora.com use the code hotman at checkout save yourself some money give these products a shot and fuel yourself for maximum enthusiasm and full optimization when you are out on the go in your busy life Hey listeners, welcome back and happy holidays to you. We are approaching the end of the 2018 calendar year and with it comes the hopeful conclusion of some of the goals you set for yourself in 2018. It's also such an exciting time when you know you're about to flip that calendar over to the next year and start thinking about the goals and things to accomplish for the upcoming year and I know I always struggle a little bit with this time of year because I very much thrive in the space of goal setting and um, I sort of get a sense of just a little bit of sadness when some of the goals that I've been living with for a whole year start to wind down, Um, whether they've been successfully reached or not, sort of just the acknowledgement that those are going to be concluded on December 31st and then it's time to set new ones. And as I look back over the last five or so years, there's no question that the years where I have felt the best and the most kind of swimming in my channel and in my groove have been the years when I've really given very serious uh, thought and consideration to the goals 
that I'm setting for myself. And then I feel a lot less like I'm just winging it through the year. Coming into 2018, I had a pretty clear calling with respect to the goals I wanted to set. And some of that came from a service trip I did last December of 2017 with a group called Hope Sports, where we traveled down to Rosarito, Mexico, and we built a home for a family that was living in a a dirt floor um, shack basically made out of pieces of wood and tarp held down by car tires, uh, no running water, you know, as I said, dirt floors and no real doors, no windows. Um, I came to learn that the rate of asthma and just infection just from breathing that dirt and eating it is huge for the family. And so even just putting them in a home with a concrete floor was significant in terms of their health and their success and the children's health. So we went down there and we built that home. And I mean, I could talk about that for a whole show. And um, hopefully you've had a chance to listen to my interview with the founder, Guy um, Guy East, of the founder of Hope Sports. We did that a while back. But anyway, when I came home from that trip last December, I really gave some thought to where I wanted to take my 2018. And um, two of the first goals that came to mind were, one, to to personally contribute enough money to sponsor one of those homes this year. Um, the cost of materials is a roughly $10,000, normally covered by the volunteers, but I wanted to make it possible to just cover those costs so that volunteers could come down and build the trip, basically just for the cost of lodging. Was able to achieve that goal halfway through the year, which just felt so incredible. Not only that, but have rounded up friends and clients and um, associates to join us on the 2018 trip. So I'm going to get to ex- actually extend this experience with other people and share it with them. Um, and in in turn, one of the other goals I set this year was uh, the year of no shopping. And I came home sort of frustrated and also disgusted with myself and disgusted with my possessions and just the accumulation of things that were taking my time and my energy and just this sense of clutter have really been on a rampage this year to eliminate and reduce and not spend and not buy and not add more clutter, more possessions. And it's changed everything for me. I've never really been one of those people that was in that keeping up with the Joneses mindset. I still have suits that I've owned since college and law school. Um, If they fit me, I'd still be wearing them. But I'm a big believer in just buying clothes and wearing them as long as they fit and as long as they're clean. I don't really keep up with fashion. I don't need to own the newest, latest, greatest of things, um, unless it's a bicycle, of course. And I've always been pretty clear with myself that I didn't ever want to spend money that... um, on things that I didn't need or couldn't afford. So I'm a, I'm a believer in no debt. But that trip really, really reinforced for me the thoughtfulness and the attention to I wanted to spend towards anything that I brought home or brought into my life. And so that's been just really powerful and impactful. It's not just going to be a 2018 goal for me. It's definitely going to be a, a lifetime thing. But it was just nice to be able to say this is my year of no shopping. I would walk into a store. I'd be tempted to buy something. I'd look at it. Sometimes I'd even try it on if it was clothing. And then I would say just the hard, fast rules, year of no shopping. And so then I would walk out. And 10 times out of 10, I would feel really great about that decision. So not once have I regretted not buying things. There have been, of course, a couple things I have purchased. And one of my exceptions was um, buying books and buying flowers, which I've been pretty okay with, especially since some of them were for other people. But the white space that has come into my life and the diminishment of clutter has um, really been demonstrably noticeable in an increase of in energy in me. And I didn't realize how much that stuff was taking away from me. One of the other goals I set in 2018, which ties into this guest in this episode, was to ride 10,000 miles on my bike. And this episode was recorded on December 14th of 2018. So I've got a little bit more than... Um, three weeks or so, um, you know, give or take. Uh, We do have that Hope Sports trip, so those will be a few days I won't be riding. But in a nutshell, I've got just a few weeks left to ride the balance of my 10,000 miles. Right now I'm sitting at about 800 miles to go. And it's been a difficult goal all year. I knew that it would be. I knew that it would take time and, and focus. I definitely got behind. I got a little lazy in August and September and then back in November, uh, tapering for an Ironman. kind of got behind on miles there too. And so I've been just cramming miles in every possible way that I can inside on the trainer on Zwift outside on the bike, recently picked up an e-bike. I've been using that for commuting and running errands. 
it's been a hard goal. I mean, this has been one that has just stretched me all year long. And it still remains to be seen if I'm going to pull it off by December 31st. But um, Allison and I talk on this episode about how important and powerful it is to share your goals out loud. And I could have easily kept these goals that I set for myself private and no one would have known. And then if I was screwing up or I wasn't getting my miles or I did go shopping, you know, no one would know that I fell short. Um, instead, I went the other direction. I've been super public and super vocal about my goals. The fourth big goal for my year, in addition to the three that I've mentioned, was year of no drinking. And so I haven't touched alcohol or had a sip of it all year. And I feel so awesome and empowered by the fact that I, I it looks like I'm going to be successful on four out of my four goals, with the mileage being the one that's still pending. And the way that that has led other people to kind of lean in and, and show up and support me in these goals and check in with me and how's you doing on your miles and how you doing on your shopping and, and, um, still no drinking and that's awesome. And the support and just the, the fellowship that that has created and the opportunity for other people to kind of get buy-in and involvement in my goals because I put them out there has been so amazing. And the reality is that even if I did fall short on one of those goals, these people would still love me and they'd still be my people. Um, so no one's out there that would be celebrating my failure. Um, and so by, by being vulnerable and sharing these goals out loud, what I've actually really done is, is allowed these relationships to deepen and to give people an opportunity to get involved in my goals. And similarly, then it resulted in conversations about their goals and gave me the opportunity to get involved in theirs. And just for us to all show up for each other, I mean, honestly, who doesn't want everyone in your life to be their very best self and to achieve the things that they set out to achieve. I think one of the greatest, um, like my, one of my personal sources of sadness is people who are so afraid of failure and specifically public failure that they don't put their goals out there and they don't say them aloud. They keep them close to their vest just in case they fall short and then no one will know. And the reality is that the more you say these things out loud, the higher the level of accountability, which I personally appreciate and thrive in that space. I want everyone to know what I'm trying to do because then they're going to help me and they're going to hold me accountable in those days or those moments when I'm weak. So um, I'm going to leave you with that as we head into this second episode with Allison Kirk as she talks about the release of this brand new book she just published which she talked about publicly and allowed for seven years telling people she was going to write a book and she did and it's amazing and I can't wait to read it. I can't wait for you to read it if you're looking for a holiday present for a friend or family member. Her book sounds very, very perfect. It would make a great stocking stuffer. We will include the links to the book on the website. You can also find her at the Kirk Project website, kirkproject.com. But here's your challenge, friends. As you start to look into 2019 or wherever this podcast finds you, wherever your next chapter delineation in terms of when it's time to set new goals comes, I would challenge you to set some goals that are going to really stretch you because obviously the easy ones aren't nearly as fulfilling and meaningful and then I'm going to challenge you to just put them out there, to make them as public as you can, put them on Instagram, put them on Facebook, write them on a piece of paper, show them to people, talk about them out loud. It turns into really cool conversations. It, it turns into really cool connections. You're going to inspire some people. You're going you're gonna to have people you know, rooting for you. And at the end of the day, it just furthers our human connection, which is, which is where the magic's at. So enjoy this one. Uh, round two with Allison Kirk, one of my... Um, Role models based here locally on the Front Range in Colorado, uh, just a total rock star who came from a very difficult childhood and decided to take ownership of her life and live the very best life possible, some of which came from a very specific moment, a near-death experience up on the mountain. I can't wait for you to hear more. Here we go, round two with Allison Kirk. How are you today? It was so nice outside. I'm like, OMG, it is December. This is good stuff. Honestly, I think this is why so many of us live in Colorado. And the funny thing is most people think that once it's winter, we just have snow all the time every day and we freeze for like six months. But um, the truth is that we get these 60 degree days that are just little gold nuggets of, um, you know, total bliss, right? Absolutely. So you were probably outside too enjoying it. it Absolutely. Incredible. It really was. What'd you do today? A lot of miles. Good. <laughs> a lot of mountains and a lot of miles. So all hiking or some trail running or what are we talking? Yeah, I did um 
some uh probably like 14 miles with like 3500 with four different peaks so a little like jogging running hiking mix right on where did you go um, for my house, I have, I live next to the C470 bike trail and then I'll run that to Green Mountain in Lakewood and then I'll go like over Dinosaur Ridge, through Red Rocks, up Mount Morrison, just a little tour of the Red Rocks area. <laughs> You're such a badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so good. Well, for our listeners just tuning in, we, uh, we are so blessed to have Allison Kirk back on for round two today. And we have something really exciting I want to talk about, which is the release of your new book. And what was the official launch date? Well, it kind of came out in stages. I had last weekend, I released it on Kindle, And then I believe Tuesday, I got the black and white um, version up. And then Thursday, I had the color copy up because I self-published. So it's a lot more of a process ah. self-published than having a publisher who does everything for you. So it was kind of a learning curve. And it is now available on Amazon, correct? Correct. Okay. And so tell our listeners the name of the book and, um, and all the places that they can find it. Well, the name of the book is called On My Way Up, Allison Kirk. And as of right now, it is only for sale on Amazon. I will be getting it into bookstores and having it up on other links, but it's kind of a process when you're doing it all yourself. Sure. And is there any way for people to buy it directly from you, like if they live in the area or via your website or anything like that? Um, It will be on the website. It's not there yet. But if you find me on Facebook and message me... I would be happy to um, get you a copy, sign it, meet up with you. If you're flexible and want to sign copies and you live in the area, let's make it happen. That is super cool. And we can include links to all of these things on the website with this episode. Um, For our listeners who perhaps missed the first episode with Allison Kirk, um, she is an amazing woman with an incredible backstory and is, is known now for her having climbed all of the 14ers, 13ers, and 12ers in Colorado and is only the second ever woman to do so, correct? And the seventh person ever? Yeah, you've got it down pretty good. Boom. (laughs) Well, I don't quickly forget details like that. You're such a badass. Right. (laughs) So what I want to talk to you is not only about what the book is about, but the interesting thing about this podcast is it's elicited a lot of what I would say is unsolicited, just commentary and feedback from listeners in a really good way. And people just saying things like, you know, there's just things on my heart, there's things on my soul, there's things I want to do. And I keep hearing people say, you know, I'd really like to write a book about X. And I personally am working on a book that's very much on my heart. And I'd love to know kind of what prompted you to finally take your your story and that that very specific event that you um, endured and, and what got you to put these things down on paper? You know, I feel like that's a wonderful question. And I feel like every single one of us has a book they could write because we life's crazy. We all go through just crazy stuff and we all have stories to tell. And I think that um, the point where I said, I am going to write a book and I committed to it was when I was on a mountain dying and wasn't going to make it and my chances of making it were so small and I had been through so much up to that point that when I was on the mountain I made a lot of promises to God and I said if you get me off of this mountain alive I am going to do a b c and d and you know it was like I am going to get divorced I am going to live life authentically. I am going to write a book and tell others what I have been through and what I'm going to accomplish. And I'm going to accomplish these things and I'm going to inspire people. And I'm going to inspire people that you don't have to be like, see your life, like get so close to death to live life authentically. And so when I was on the mountain with very slim chances of making it, that's kind of when I committed to myself to write a book and with the sole purpose of, hopefully inspiring just one person. Well, I suspect you have inspired hundreds, if not thousands. Um, But I love the fact that you 
you know of that moment when you made that commitment to yourself. And I'm sure there were a thousand moments after you got off the mountain and you knew you were going to survive that it would have been easy to say, you know, no one knows about that promise that I made to myself. I can easily just set this thing aside. But that fire continued to burn inside you. And it sounds like in fairly short order, you got to work on it. Absolutely. I mean, I started working on the book um, after my accident and I made it. And I'm literally like, I can't do anything else because I can't move. I'm like, Ah. you know, I'm like total in rehab mode, can't do anything. So I'm like, I'm going to start my book. That was seven years ago. And in the seven years, I have accomplished so many things that I never even dreamed of. So the book was like a work in progress. And I just kept adding to the story, you know, finishing all these lists, being the youngest to do this, doing this and things that I never, that weren't even goals. And I'm like, this is just great. This is, <laughs> you know, making the book even that much better. So the book actually took me about seven years to write. Well, so that raises a good question, which is sort of how do you know when it's time to publish? I mean, you're still adding to your story. At what point do you say, you know, this is, I'm going to send this off to get printed now. That is a great question, and I asked myself that for a really, really long time. Um, and it kind of was really clear to me over the summer. Because, I, you know, I, I've been telling all my friends and my family about this book I'm writing for years. Sure. Literally, I think they were thinking I was joking. Like, oh, yeah, I'll send your book. Because I kept, you know, like, they're like, when are you going to publish this thing? And I'm like, I Soon. just don't know how to say I don't know when it's ready Ah. And then over the summer, my husband and I came up with this new project we're working on called the Kirk Project. And it's going to be, and we just came up with this in September. It's a new big goal that's probably going to take about 10 years to complete. And we thought, well, we should write a book. It's going to take 10 years because the book's going to be done when we complete this project. But... I think this is a good thing. Like, I, I think I can close on my way up book uh-huh. and then start the new journey with the new book. And so uh-huh. I really felt like I knew the ending of the story to on my way up. And because, you know, that having the goal of the new book just kind of made things all make sense and sure. work together. Sure. And I mean, you had this very specific event happen in your life, and obviously near-death experiences do tend to accelerate our decision-making and, and make things you know, quite crystal clear. And so for people who don't have that experience in their life, but they are very much feeling the call to write a book, whether it's fiction or nonfiction or, or about themselves or someone else, they just feel that continual nudge. What advice would you give them? You know, how do you start something like this? And and then how does it feel to actually get underway? Oh, man. Well, I mean, a good question for people to ask themselves is, what's your purpose with the book? Is it like it's something that's going to be self-fulfilling? Or is your purpose to help others? And I think once you define your purpose for writing the book, you get more clarity and more direction. And then it's simply a matter of finding the time and the best um, mindset where when you have time available to actually write it. Cause that was really hard for me. I'm not really good at sitting down and doing that. So a lot of my stuff would come when I'm doing long hikes or runs, I would just, I would tell myself a chapter in my head and I would sure. go through the story and then I'd get done with a three hour run. And then I really felt, you know, a, excited about oh I I have this whole like 10 pages I can write and then I would write it and oh that's cool so it was kind of like a process like that for me which would be you know probably really different for somebody else but but there's self-discipline there no matter what right I mean ultimately all of our lives are full and then you somehow have to carve out the time for this very time-consuming project and so it sounds like you you were excited to come home and ride it after a long hike, but also there was that self-discipline when I'm sure you could have gone on and done other things. You said, no, I'm going to sit down and write those 10 pages right now. Exactly. And my, so like to self-publish a book, I had to, I had a co-author and it, it cost me a, a money to do this. And so a lot of people are like, oh, you wrote a book, like you must be rich. And uh, I've gotten those comments and I'm like, interesting. No, (laughs) it's actually quite expensive. It's actually very expensive to write a book unless you're really good at it and you're like, you have done it before. Um, then it can, 
you know, not be expensive. But I mean, it wasn't a huge amount of money, but it was a couple thousand bucks yep. that I invested in writing my book. Now, whether I sell enough books to make that money back, I could care less because oh. I have gotten emails. I've got Facebook messages, probably a hundred from old friends, people that I grew up with, pe- you know, friends of the family. And they have just, they're what they have said to me has paid me back more oh. than money could pay me back. And just like, Oh my gosh, Allison, I took up running. I oh. did this different. Oh, you, you know, you are an inspiration. You, you know, and that's everything I could ever have hoped for with writing my book. Cause you, that really was your purpose, right? Was to kind of wake people up and, and startle them into pursuing a life that they really love. Absolutely. And to not be, not fear change and to not fear the unknown and to just, because when doing that and just staying stuck, you may never live life authentically. And when you're not living authentically, passionately, you are missing out on so much because I almost lived that life. And I am so grateful to have had found the courage to not choose that path. And we talk a lot about that in your first episode, sort of how much tension there is that comes from that pull to pursue a different, more inspiring life. And also just the tendency to stay where we're at because it's comfortable and it's familiar. And there's that constant tension of, do I make a change or do I stay where I am? And, um, you went for it and I feel like you already sort of knew you wanted to pursue a better life, but then that event on the mountain was kind of the, the catapult for that, right? It was, and I don't know how many people, like some people, it would take something like that kind of event, that catapult that is so profound for them to do the changes they need to do. And unfortunately, that's kind of society. So I'm just trying to say, hey, don't try not to be me. Try not to have that kind of event to do these changes because the other end is so much greater. Oh, I love that. So that's obviously, you know, I haven't read your book yet, but I can't wait to get my own copy. Um, But I'm guessing that's a big, that's a big theme throughout the book. Um, Are there other sort of secondary themes or are there other missions or purposes with the book in addition? Well, definitely what I've said so far is the main stuff. Um, like for example, you said, um, some people have said they've taken up, you know, running or hiking and and obviously that's part of your story, but is there something in the book that, that tends to start encouraging people to take up some new activities? Well, I mean, this book has something for everybody. It has being addicted to drugs, alcohol, smoking cigarette, being 70 pounds overweight, um, dealing with eating disorders, dealing with a really bad childhood with alcoholic parents, mental, physical, and emotional abuse, um, a strained family continuous into my adult life, a strained relationship with really close family members. So I feel like, um, it's so much more than just, you know, live life authentically and passionately, but I overcame so many things that I feel like when people read my book, there will be one thing that will resonate with you. There'll Uh. be one thing that you can be like, yes, I go through this. I have went through this and that you can really relate to me. I just think that it offers so much. I love that because you're not coming at this from a place of, um, I guess I don't really even know how to say it. I, I, I just appreciate what you're saying about the relatability and it, it's not like you're coming from this exceptional background of professional climbers or something where someone reading your book might say, well, you know, yeah, she grew up that way. And so it's sort of logical that she might find herself on a mountain in this moment. I mean, I think there's so much about your life and the um, challenges and the struggles that, you know, really make you like the rest of us. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, so there are so many people that, um, on some of the mountain climbing websites that we would get a thread posted about us, you know, like John and Allison Kirk complete, you know, whatever mountain thing we completed. And we get a lot of people saying, Oh, they must not have jobs. And uh, that's why they have all this time. Uh, and you know, things like that. And then we're like, Oh no, no, we, we both work full time. And sometimes it's just, you know, when people say, well, where do you find the time? And then, a lot of people I could actually ask, well, tell me, be it and be honest, 
how much time do you spend a week watching television? Yep. Because John and I didn't own a television for the first five years of our relationship. Now we do enjoy Netflix. We have yep. TV. Yep. But so many people, that's probably 25 or 30 hours of their week. Well, Easily. you know what I do with that 30 hours? <laughs> I go climb every mountain in Colorado. <laughs> Indeed. People will so make time for their priorities, won't they? Right. Exactly. So it's just like, what is your priority? You yep. know? And I think that when people read the book and they see where I came from, and that I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't good stuff. And I think that a lot of people can relate to that. That's pretty awesome. So do you have a favorite part or a favorite chapter of the book? I mean, the whole thing's obviously your baby and uh, a seven year project is, is not a small task, but is there one part of it that just really stands out that you're just, you just get stoked every time you see it? You know, so a lot of the book, the first, there's two parts, part one and part two, and Part one, it gives me chills when I read it myself. Um, mm. When I so every chapter is kind of like um, it's back and forth from me on the mountain dying and if I'm gonna make it, and then yeah. like going like having flashbacks to different things that happened in my childhood. And Ooh. when I read the parts about um, myself on the mountain dying and like what I went through. Mm. Some of the stuff just gives me chills and like when flight for life comes down and I had all the hope in the world and I just reading that like I'm going to be rescued and then remembering them not being able to rescue me and fly away and actually feeling myself like dying like that took like when they flew away all the hope in my life just flew with them. I mean I'm reading recounting the accident and I actually get chills thinking about it. Mm, I'm getting the chills right now. Yeah, it's it's powerful. And then just thinking about, um, I love reading the part about all the search and rescue people that came and saved me. I mean, it's February. It's midnight. It's in the middle of a blizzard. It's a complete whiteout. And they are looking for this girl in, at 12,000 feet in mm. the dark in a whiteout. And they're trying to save my life. And it's over 30 people. And wow. they executed such a profound rescue and I I'm wrapped up I can't see anybody I just hear like strange voices saving my life and I can't tell you when I'm reading this I just that feeling of gratitude I I will feel it again as I read it and it's just so powerful because I have never felt so grateful in my entire life wow humanity is still good right people are still inherently good yeah, I mean, hey, rescue strangers. And yeah. No it, reward except saving a life. Right. It's pretty good stuff. Well, and same with your book, right? No real reward. I, I doubt that you went into this hoping that it was going to make you a millionaire, and, and usually books don't, unfortunately. And I, I right. don't sense that you went into this really even for fame or notoriety. It was really, truly for you to execute your new life purpose and to try and touch as many people as you possibly could. And it sounds like you're starting to get some of that feedback already. Yeah, it's good stuff. That's pretty awesome. I'll share with you um, an excerpt. Yeah, perfect. So what people are um, getting themselves into is um, Hmm. you're going to follow a young woman as she struggles to survive a near fatal injury at the top of Rosalie Peak. A blizzard makes the rescue extremely hazardous and she is quickly running out of time. The accident and the long wait to be rescued from the mountain allow her to assess her short life, and it forever changes her path. It is the true story of a woman who has miraculously survived through a harrowing, tragic ordeal and has used her second chance at life to overcome the problems of her youth and to break free of the burdens that tortured her. Mm. Did you write that? I did. Oh, that's good. Allison, that's really good. It's so impactful. You know, the thought that keeps landing on my heart as we're talking is how do we get people to that place of clarity without them having to go through such an experience? Like, how do you say, look, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Like, please use my example. And, And so often it's like people really actually do have to experience it to make that change. I mean, how do you sort of implore people to, to wake up? I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> um, the first step was just writing the book and seeing what I could do with that. Yeah. You know? And leading by example. I mean, you certainly are living 
your your mission and your purpose and people see what you're doing and and you definitely live um, by example. Um, What is this? You you mentioned it briefly in our last episode, but I feel like you've probably fleshed it out a bit more. What is this next decade uh, project looking like for you? Oh, man. So... My husband and I, John, have, you know, climbed all the the high peaks in Colorado, and there's a lot of them, so it took us, you know, a good decade, and we started doing all this other stuff, like, um, this was the first summer where both of us were not climbing high stuff in Colorado, so we asked ourselves, like, what are we doing? And, you know, we're looking at every weekend and we're in New Mexico, we're in Utah, we're in Wyoming, we're in California, and we are climbing the peaks above 12,000. And we just, we, that's what, that's what does it for us. We love the high alpine terrain, the views, the challenge. Um, we just love the high peaks and it doesn't matter what state they're in because every state offers a new challenge and a, a different beauty and different terrain. And it's what we live for. So we, um, then decided to come up with the Kirk project <laughs> and what the Kirk project is, is John and I, um, this has never been, this is nobody's ever done this before. So if mm. we are, um, if, 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 and when we finish this, we'll be the first people in history to ever do it. And we want, we'd like to climb, um, all the peaks in the contiguous U S so we're not talking about Alaska. Right. Um, that are above 12,000 feet. And mm. so that's 2,122 peaks. And does that include all the ones you've already done so you can take those off the list already? It sure does. Okay. <laughs> so we are about 67% of the way done. Oh my gosh. Wow. The, logi- the logistical challenge now is, you know, way harder. Well, particularly for two people with full-time jobs, because I imagine now you have to get creative with your weekends and your vacation time. Absolutely. Wow. So, um, is this setting out to be like, a? um, you literally cram in as many as you can in one state on a one week vacation, or are we talking about kind of getting a van and driving coast to coast and taking some time off from our jobs or is it too soon to know yet? This is more going to be like, um, three and four day weekends as many okay. as possible with most of the vacation used throughout the whole summer. Okay. And like flying out on Wednesdays and using our hundred mile training um, to do things through the night and yeah go just do some gnarly stuff and it's gonna be husband and wife accomplish something that's never happened and we're gonna write about it and journal about it as we're doing it and hopefully come up with an amazing book and we just put together a website called Kirk Project and we're gonna hopefully take videos and kind of hopefully interact with people through the journey totally. and show you guys what we're doing and it's some wild stuff. You know what I love most about this though is you know a lot of people take on something like this and they go out and they seek sponsorships and, and that's all great and I and I hope that you land some of those as well but the fact that you're doing this as two working individuals this is like the working man and working woman's you know conquest um I think that makes your message even that more impactful and and um, something that even more people can resonate with because you're not these two professionally sponsored athletes collecting paychecks from a big brand where you can just go, you know, take off for six months at a time. You're doing this Absolutely. with like life responsibilities. This is so cool. It is so hard. And I, I would, I can't tell you, we would love <laughs> some sponsors and we would love to take off summers and then we could really like some of these out but sure. until we have those things going we are gonna be full-time workers and just oh. get her done I love that I love that you're just making it happen I think that's the biggest takeaway right is just make it happen don't wait for the perfect everything to be lined up before you press go because there may not be a tomorrow um yeah you're gonna be waiting a long right time. right <laughs> Right. Oh, that is so neat. I can't wait to follow along. So is it thekirkproject.com? It's actually just kirkproject.com and okay. you can go there right now. Okay. Kind of, um, it's in the very early stages, but it's um, kind of just shows what we've done and a little bit about us and we will start developing that in the next few months. That is so neat. And yeah. so you're, you would consider yourself already underway then just because you've, you've kind of been tackling these things as you've gone. And, and it sounds like it's, you're in the process of pursuing that. 
Exactly. Right on. Well, Allison, what would you um, what would you share with listeners who are listening to this, and maybe they just don't even know where to start? Um, we talked about this a little bit in episode one too, but I feel like you've probably even flushed this out a little bit more as the book has finished and this new project's ramped up. You know, someone's just like, my life's not what I'd hoped, and I don't even like. I maybe I can't quit my job, but I'd like to find something on the side. You know, I mean, I realize I'm asking you for some pretty big advice here, but what would you tell someone about how you start to find the thing that lights you up the way that these high peaks light you and your husband up? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, well, it doesn't always start with finding a passion. Sometimes it starts, what I see more of is um, you're sometimes held back because, well, like when I was in my first marriage, we, we were the same people when we met, but as we were together for the first like after about five years, we started going in these two completely different directions, but we were together for so long that we ended up getting married because kind of peer pressure and just other things. Yeah. I knew it wasn't right, but I was marrying a, a roommate, not right. my soulmate. And so first of all, what I see, I think the most often is that people get stuck in these relationships that are not, it's not their soulmate and maybe you don't believe in soulmates, but it's not you. It's two opposite people, but you've been with them so long. You feel comfortable and you have a house together mm-hmm. or something and you're, mm-hmm. too, Oh, it would be too hard to, to separate from this. So then you're with somebody, you don't have to share the same hobbies. And so you might have something that you're passionate about and you already know what it is, but you never do it because you're in a relationship that's holding you back ah. from being the person you want to be. Um, mm. So that's one thing I see the most of, I think, is getting stuck in the wrong relationship and being too scared to get out of it. Because then that kind of tethers you to the life of settling in all aspects. Like you're not going to really expand yourself in other areas if you're sort of settled at home. Absolutely. You know, that quote, it's funny how this just keeps coming up in my life lately, which is, you know, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. And I've become more and more and more aware of the way that the people closest to me in my life, how it impacts me. And as I find myself surrounded by people with drive and just this fearlessness and this like fierce approach to life and just living out loud, I mean, it's contagious. It just becomes, of course, how I start to see the world in my own life and, um, I think you, you know, you mentioned this in your, in the first episode too, you said you basically had to change friend circles, you changed your job and everything. It's like you had to kind of get yourself out of that rut in every area. And it was so hard of you course. Know, like, to change your whole life. But that was, that's like probably one of the biggest things of advice I could give is that if you're in that rut with the bad crowd, I mean, we really do tend to be like the people we surround ourselves with, just like what you said. So I try to surround myself with people with people that are doing what I want to be doing, rock right. climbing, going to the gym, running, um, you know, and then my family, we just, I love them to death. So if you're hanging out with people that are drinking, but you don't want to be drinking, mm-hmm. then you're probably not hanging out with the right people. And I mean, that's for a lot of a different yeah. things, not just drinking. Right. Right. I just watched a Tony Robbins, um, his date with destiny, his, uh, I'm not your guru. And he said, show me your friends and I will show you your future. And that stuck with me too. It's the same thing we're talking about, but it's like, not only are you surrounding yourself with people who are equally passionate, but I think it's also important to surround yourself with people who push you to be more than you are and challenge you to be the best version of yourself. And, um, who not only are super stoked on what you're doing, but also are people that you aspire to be more like, um, and are people that you don't necessarily idolize, but you respect the hell out of, and you want to, you know, model. And that just kind of. Absolutely. That's what John does for me. And I do for him. And that is one of the biggest, greatest things I am beyond thankful for is I'm in a relationship and John and I have reached and done things that we never dreamed we could. And it's because we kept pushing each other. Wow. And we didn't know what the limit was. But if you don't test it, will you ever know? Right. 
and to be with someone who sees that for you and wants it for you. And so we'll challenge you in the most loving, supportive way to be the thing that they know you're capable of without it causing like competition or frustration. I mean, that's, that's magic. <laughs> well, let's, there might be a little competition here and there, but it's all fun. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Well, that's yeah. awesome advice to just start with who you surround yourself with and especially who your closest people are and your and your partner in life in terms of living your best life possible. Would there is there any sort of second piece of advice you would give when it comes to sort of deciding how you're going to spend your time and what to pursue? Hmm. Well, if um, you assess where you are with your relationships and that's not a big factor, but there's something that, uh, what do you enjoy or what, what have you always wanted to try, but you never have? And what are the reasons why you haven't done it? Mm-hmm. Have you always wanted to do a 14 er but that's scary. Like I've never done that. I don't know how, mm-hmm. like is fear holding you back from something you've always wanted to do? And if fear is holding it back, that is absolutely no reason to not be doing it. Take the steps to take some of the fear away. Find a, find a mentor. Find a group. There, find a website where you can get information. Do some research and make it happen. Find something that you want to do, maybe that you are feel, fearful of, and do it. And the feeling that you'll get in doing it, it will be so rewarding. Absolutely. And, you know, what's so on point with what you just said is that because you did not come from an outdoor or a climbing background, at some point, Allison Kirk had that very discussion with herself where she said, I want to climb a 14er. I'm scared to death. I don't know where to start. And yet you started somewhere, didn't you? Absolutely. And I was scared. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, I got a guidebook, Jerry Roach's. A 14er guidebook, because that's what somebody told me is what you get when you get into 14ers. And I said, okay. (laughs) And I get that and just started doing research, found a website. And I was pretty clueless, but I started doing it. And then as soon as you're out there, then I just started making all these friends that are doing stuff that I want to be doing. And that's when my life started changing. But I had to take the initial steps and I was alone a lot of, you know, a lot of the time in the beginning. So some people are afraid of being alone with themselves because they're not comfortable with that. So right. that might be something else that's holding you back. But honestly, you, the goal, I think, is to try to be your own best friend. Mm, that's good advice. Yeah, so, stop being so busy that you're trying to outrun the thoughts in your head and actually get, get close and personal with, with things that are inside your brain and... Yeah. Start processing. That's serious stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, I'm so happy for you that your book is now finally out uh, after all the work you've put into it. And I am beyond excited to read it myself. Um, we will definitely share a link with Amazon listeners. We'll share a way to contact you if they want to reach out and get a autographed copy from you. We'll include the link to the Kirk Project. Um what additional thoughts would you like to leave the listeners with? You know, we happen to be recording. We're on the brink of this holiday season. And, and I think people at this time of year are already starting to think about their goals for the upcoming year. This right. might be kind of a magical time to, like, challenge people. What would you like to say to them? I want to tell people to get my book, <laughs> to read my book, because there is no better time of year to read my book. And... Please just let it, let one part of it resonate with you. And it is the perfect time to read this book and to do something new next year. I mean, we're a few weeks away and everybody has their resolutions, but make one, stick with it and see what you're capable of because we never know how strong we are until being strong is our only option. Ooh. That's a great quote. Well, and not only that, but your book would make a wonderful Christmas present or holiday gift for someone. It would. It would. And, you know, I would just piggyback on that business of setting goals. I learned a very powerful lesson myself, and you're doing this right now just by putting your goals out there, which was that in sharing my goals publicly and and out loud and with people throughout the entire year, I've learned that my true people have come alongside me to support me in those goals, help me hold myself accountable, Um, I'm trying to ride 10,000 miles in 2018 and I still have about 800 miles to go. 
And as I get close to the end of the year, people are leaning in more and more and more saying, how can I support you? Can I come ride with you? How can I help you? They're keeping track of my mileage. They're watching me. They're cheering me on. And I think so many of us are afraid to say our goals out loud because we're so afraid that if we fall short, people are going to laugh at us and call us a failure. But I would challenge that notion and say that I think people actually really enjoy the opportunity to be that support and also to benefit from watching someone else pursue something. And you're doing that. You're doing that with your, all of your goals that you've you've made public. And Megan, I can agree with you more. People are so scared. Once yeah. you say it out loud, it's like, oh, shit, now I really got to do it. I mean, but like, isn't that the idea, right? Like, I mean, right. I want to be held accountable. And even if I do fail... I mean, fuck, that's so much better than never trying it to begin with. <laughs> exactly. And so once you start getting in this mindset, I mean, then you you can really make things happen that you never dreamed of. Right. Right. And and honestly, like the people that want to watch you fail, they're not in your they're not in your people circles anyway. The people exactly. who the ones who love you, man, they just they want to watch you shine and that I've never learned that lesson more powerful and poignantly than I have this year and especially in these last couple weeks of this mileage goal. People are stepping up to support me in all kinds of ways and it's just a silly goal. I'm not, you know, curing cancer or solving world hunger or anything, but I think people really like to watch people go for something. And Absolutely. So, um, you know, I'm sure you got that while you're writing your book and people leaning in trying to help. And now you've got this really audacious 10 year project to hike these things across the country. And the support that you're garnering is just going to grow and expand. And of course, then your likelihood of success grows and expands. That's the goal. Oh, that's the goal. Oh, well, Miss Allison, thank you so much for your time today. And I wish you the very best of luck with the book sales. And um, please update us once it's on your website and stuff too. And um, I wish you the very happiest of holidays. And I just want to congratulate you on self-publishing a book. That is that is an amazing feat and a huge life accomplishment. So congratulations. Oh, Thank you so much, Megan, for everything. Oh. Um, thank you for having me on, and thank you for doing what you're doing, and keep up the good work. Oh, absolutely. It's good stuff. You know, yeah, life's too short to focus on the negative stuff, so I really like to shine a magnifier on all the amazing things that people like you are doing, so it's my pleasure. <laughs> oh, thank you. All right, well, much love to you, girl, and happy holidays. Sounds good, and to you as well. All right. Talk soon. Okay, Thank you for listening to Maximum Enthusiasm with Megan Hotman. Subscribe, check out our blog, and learn more at MaximumEnthusiasm.com.